Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. Who is we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. Yeah, you see, I don't know, I'm supposed to be this this podcast host, this idol symbol, but... Oh, that's why you're wearing the skimpy bathing suit. No, no, that's just because it's Sunday. Anyway, that's that's enough of that tomfoolery. <laughs> because now it's time to get absolutely diabolical. And yes, I know that's not the quote, but we're a family-friendly show, gosh darn it. <laughs> As we behold the boys. Ooh. Ooh, didn't think that one through, did I? No. No. I mean, the title of this show, and indeed its uh, source material, is just prone to sound dodgy the whole way through, isn't it? Have you watched Look, The Boys? Maybe it gets us a new demographic. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> did you do The Boys in one city? <laughs> No, that's good. Just, just get it all out now, Mick. <laughs> no, I'll, so, I'll, I'll sprinkle them throughout the episode. Oh, good. Like a, like a treat. <laughs> so, yeah, this week's episode is going to be a lot like our Umbrella Academy episode, where we're mostly going to be talking about season two. Um, we will also link in the description um, our other podcast four panel, where we did do a full review of season one and we will be doing kind of a brief summary of that series and putting it on the list as well. So to kick things off, we should of course note that this is uh, the Amazon original TV series developed by Eric Kripke based on the Wildstorm and later Dynamite series by Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. And I hate the fact that it's got that publisher because it makes it sound like every time I talk about it, I'm complimenting the boys when I do not like that comic. Have you, have you, uh, you read any of the boys? God, it's every, everything we say, isn't it? It is, yes. No, um, no. My, my first exposure to the boys was the Amazon original series, season one. Um, ah, okay. I've, I've you... got a troubled relationship with Garth and his comics. Okay, in that case, I think you will almost definitely hate the boys because <laughs> it's basically the most Garth Ennisy thing Garth Ennis has done. Yeah, um, but it's like he walked into the office one day and proudly declared he has finally figured out exactly how many like blood and swears you can fit in a single comic book panel. At which point, a room full of executives in with it. No one asked you that question, Garth. <laughs> but but just in case, we've set up a separate imprint for you. <laughs> yes, you, you sit in your special corner, Garth. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess... Um, I, his two main um, sort of self-created um, franchises are, are Preacher and The Boys, aren't they? Um, and... Preacher, I started reading after the 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 Amazon original series, and and found it 
very at odds with what I'd seen. And I quite liked what I'd seen in the TV show and wasn't quite as appealing. Yeah, I think, like a lot of people, I absolutely loved Preacher when I read it when I was maybe like 14 or 15. Yeah. Because again, it's, you know, it's like the comics that you've read as a kid, but look how edgy and dark it is now. <laughs> and then you like you go back and read it as an adult, and you go, oh no, this is literally just look at me, I'm such a big boy, I can do all the swearing and all the violence. Please yeah. like me. <laughs> so, well, no, I was gonna say, but no, Garth, no one likes you, but Zack Snyder probably does, doesn't he? <laughs> it's as Garth Ennis writes the kind of comics that Zack Snyder thinks are very deep and meaningful. Yes. Yes, indeed. The TV series, though, is a is a very different story. It is. I mean, it's not that different. It is still filled with blood and swears. That's true. You also did not ask me, but how different, Andrew? <laughs> At which point, I, I then would have done the synopsis for season one. Okay. Um, so just so just imagine that happened, audience, and I'll start doing that now. So, oh, and. As per usual, this will contain uh, spoilers, although not as per usual, I'm actually changing things up a bit. Decided now we're just going to do like a full start to finish synopsis of the series. So we will be talking about the end in, in the synopsis. So Hugh Campbell, played by Jack Quaid, is an ordinary civilian living in a world full of superhumans. However, when his girlfriend is accidentally killed by the superhero A-Train, Jesse Usher, Huey suffers a mental breakdown. This sets him on a path to meet vigilante Billy Butcher, Carl Urban, who ropes Huey into his crusade to take down the corrupt soups, who, far from their squeaky clean public image, often engage in debauched and illegal behaviour with no repercussions. That will also be the only I'm going to use the term soups, because I hate it. <laughs> Joining them on their quest are Butcher's former CIA contacts, Mother's Milk, Laz Alonso, and Frenchie, Toma Capon. Meanwhile, young superhero Starlight, Evan Moriarty, is invited to join the Seven, the world's premier superhero team. Much like Huey, though, she soon learns just how corrupt her teammates are. These include A-Train, the lecherous The Deep, Chase Crawford, the apathetic Queen Maeve, Dominique McGelliot, the silent assassin Black Noir, Nathan Mitchell, and their leader, the downright psychotic Homelander, Anthony Starr. Uh, Starlight ends up teaming up with the boys, and more than teaming up with Huey, eh, eh, <laughs> as they investigate Vought, the company behind the Seven. Uh, the team learned that Vought have covered up the world's superheroes. Uh, yeah, yeah. The team learn that Vought have covered up that all the world's superheroes are created by an artificial substance called Compound V and are able to rescue Kimiko, Karen Fukuhara, a test subject for the compound. However, before they can really do anything with the information, uh, Vought and the US government brand them as fugitives and, to make matters even worse, Butcher finds out that the wife he thought was dead is not only alive, but also the mother of Homelander's son. But yeah, so what do you think of season one, Mick? Well, I thought, I sat there one night, and I've, I've had a few friends who'd said, have you seen 
it was one of those where we start watching shows at home, me and the missus, and quite often what happens with something that's by the time we get to episode two, it's very clear that I'll be gone when it's when it next airs. Um, but the boys is one that we both stuck with, and we weren't sure it was for us until Huey's girlfriend got killed, and then we thought, "Oh man, this is so over the top." Yes, the, the literal blood explosion. Yes, it was like. It, it was the fact that you got the panning shot down to Huey's hands. That was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that, that sums up, like, I think the difference between the show and the comic. Yeah. Is that, yes, the show is equally as ridiculously violent, but it's done, like, with a much higher level of competence where you know it lands, like, as a funny joke. Yeah. Like, obviously, Huey's girlfriend getting, like, I mean, basically hit and run by the equivalent of the Flash yeah. is horrible. Huey looking down to see he's still just holding the severed hands. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Helped in no small part by the look on Huey's face. as <laughs> the realisation that his blood smattered face. Um, that really sells the, the comedy aspect of it. it it's just such a... It, it, it's the violent comic book equivalent of a pie in the face, is the look on Huey's face. Exactly, because it's just... It's basically, it's so outrageous. It goes from shocking to just, like, past the line of good taste to just yeah. absolutely hilarious. Yeah. And it, it, it is the first moment where you start mentally doing the comparisons, as you mentioned there, the... the the boys equivalent of the flash um you start doing the comparisons to superheroes you know or supervillains from other probably more familiar corners of the comic book you yeah i think it's also worth pointing out i think that's something the boys gets very right that especially like the dc films are getting wrong mm. is like this kind of thing works when you have characters who are clearly inspired by like Superman and Batman, but yeah. not so much when you are saying, yes, this is the canonical Superman and the canonical Batman, yeah. who are just these kind of awful turds. <laughs> anyway, I think probably a lot of what we've got to say at the boys is also going to come up when we're talking about season two. That's true. So. Where should we rank season one? Oh, oh, it's early to be ranking. Also, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure about ranking the boys. How that's going to go down in a, but um, I'm unable to say how good an adapt in terms of faithfulness to the original line. You may be able to help me on that. Indeed. Well, this is a point. I was going to maybe make it later, but we may as well make it now while we're ranking season one. Mm. I think it may be the case that with something like The Boys, it's all the better for not being faithful. Like, right. it's instead of just trying to slavishly one-to-one -one adapt what's in the comic and probably making, like, not a great show, 
I think it's done a good job of looking at the comic and saying, well, okay, well, if we just make a show about, you know, how superheroes, they kind of suck, that's not going to be massively popular. But if we maybe use that and turn it more into like a satire of America and celebrity culture, yeah, then that's taking what doesn't work in the comic and presenting it in a way that does work really well. It's al- it's almost given the comic book that B theme. That B. I was going to last charitably say the kick up the backside it needed. All right. Okay. Right. Okay. So uh, what have we got? I mean, ah, okay. it, it, I mean, certainly in terms of uh, comic book adapter years, it's in my personal top ten. Well, in that case, shall I run through our current show top ten? Yes. Yes, so at number one, we have Rotor Edition. Number two, we have Hellboy. Number three, we've got Jessica Jones Season 1. Number four, we've got Sin City. Number five, we've got Umbrella Academy Season 2. Number six, we've got the uh, 2019 Watchmen TV show. We've got Crisis on Infinite Earths at number seven. Number eight is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Number nine is Birds of Prey. And number 10 is Iron Man. I I found, although Watchmen was a good series, I found it difficult viewing, whereas this is just... Okay, now is it just above Watchmen or just above Umbrella Academy season? I definitely would put it definitely at the same kind of mark as Umbrella Academy season two. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's around there, isn't it? Say maybe just under. I mean, you see, I I really enjoyed Umbrella Academy, but what I would say about the boys is it's got less chance to um, mess with your head. It's a more straightforward and enjoyable series off the bat. It, it it doesn't leave you much chance for thinking, whereas the Umbrella Academy can. Tie your head in knots if you're not. It's okay. Yeah, I'd be happy to put it just uh, just <laughs> above Umbrella Academy than if you'd like. Less so than the comics, but it still messes with your head. <coughs> okay, there we go then. The Boys Season 1 is going to be our new number five. I should point out to listeners that the reason I have to get uh, Andrew to recap the list every week is because when we finish recording he locks it in a secret cabinet um, which uh, a bust of William Shakespeare is used to access it but I, I don't know where the key is to the room with the bust so I can never get to the list until we actually record. It's weird. Yes, that's because you first have to go to the library and pull out a series of books in the correct order to activate the secret panel which has the key to the room with the Shakespeare bust. You see, which I contains see a, the key to the secret cabinet. You see, I would never have... I mean, that sounds over-engineered. I mean, what happens if someone goes to the library and borrows one of those books and then doesn't return it? Oh, no, sir. No, I mean, the library in my stately manner. Oh, right, OK. Not a public library. No, public library. Well, where am I going to find a public library in the northeast, Mick? Well, we have one. We've we've got the Northeast Public Library. It, it's a small bookshelf uh, just outside. Uh, it's con- it's contained in a repurposed red telephone box. Naturally, funnily oh, enough, 
funnily enough, I do know somewhere that's got a public library in a repurposed red telephone box. Actually, I say that I think we have one a bit like that near where we live. Yeah, where it's just a telephone box with a bunch of books in it. Yeah. Unless someone just had a bunch of books and they saw an empty telephone box and thought, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> I'll use that as my additional shelving space. Actually, I do have a lot of books. That would make it easier if I just started secreting them in places all around about town. <laughs> just like library dead drops. Leave a trail of them so people can get confused because they think they're following some kind of code. And they're trying to put together, like, the initial letters of every title <laughs> to make an oh. anagram that can't be solved. Oh, I think Dan Brown's mouth just started salivating. That's, <laughs> that's the next bestseller in the works. Anyway, shall we move on to season two of The Boys? Yes, let's. So, picking up from where we left off last season, we learned that Becca, Chantelle Van Santen, Butcher's wife who he thought was dead, was in fact kidnapped by Homelander and forced to bear him a son called Ryan, played by Cameron Corvetti. Uh, Butcher tries to rescue Becca, but is unsuccessful. He then rejoins the rest of the boys as they continue to try and bring down Vought, despite now being on the run from the law. Uh, after Vought are able to push their agenda for militarizing superheroes uh, by staging a terrorist attack using Kimiko's brother, the team are recruited by Grace Mallory, Layla Robbins, the head of the CIA, and Congresswoman Victoria Newman, Claudia Dumit, to publicly bring the company. Uh, they are able to leak the truth about Compound V and schedule a formal hearing against Vought. However, the hearing is sabotaged by a mysterious assassin who is able to explode people's heads at will. Meanwhile, things are going pretty great for Homelander, but he still has a few issues of his own. Uh, apart from trying to start his twisted ideal of a family, he must also contend with a new member of the Seven called Stormfront, Aya Cash, who has charmed America with her social media savvy. Uh, Stormfront hides a pretty big secret, though. Not only is she Liberty, the first superhero and successful compound V-test subject, she's also a former member of the Nazi party, and perhaps unsurprisingly, a massive racist. Uh, after learning this, Homelander enters into a relationship with Stormfront and they plot to convince Ryan to leave his mother and be raised as a superhero. The boys are able to learn of Stormfront's past from former member of the Seven Lamplighter, Sean Ashmore, Iceman from the X-Men films. Ah, that Ashmore. Yes, not the other one who looks exactly <laughs> the same because they're like twin brothers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the boys reveal this information to the public, stopping the sale of Compound V to the military uh, amongst all the public outrage about Stormfront's Nazi past. Uh, Stormfront is killed by Ryan using his latent zero abilities because he's got the laser eyes as well. Yeah. Uh, but Becca is accidentally killed as well. Uh, heeding his wife's final words, though, Butcher forgives Ryan. Most of the boys go on to join Mallory in the CIA, but Huey instead decides to go work for Victoria, unaware that she's actually the head-exploding assassin from earlier. And good Lord, season two has a lot of things in it. It packs a lot into it, doesn't it? I mean... It was, 
you've got the whole church thing going on as well. Yeah, that's right. I like I had to just drop the entire subplot about the the basically Scientology church because there's it just didn't fit well trying to like do a brief overview of the series. But I mean, I, I mean, that's mainly a, a misjudged effort by the deep to try and re, uh, re, redeem himself, isn't it? But, yes, that um, is. Actually, that's that's probably one of my favourite bits across both series is just the deep's like increasingly terrible life as he completely breaks down. <laughs> but the uh, right, so this is just how screwed up the boys is as a series, right up. To the, although there was all the flirting going on between Stormfront and Homelander, right up to the point where that you saw them floating in midair in flagrante, me and the missus thought the twist was going to be that she was his mother. Yeah, I definitely see that as a big thing about <laughs> Homelander. Is he has some quite severe mummy issues. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, doesn't he like have the bit as well? Because know in the first season, like he, he's basically got a weird relationship with the head of Vought as like a yeah. surrogate mother figure. Yeah. And then in the second series, I think he's got like a shapeshifter guy to just turn into her for like extended periods of time and tell him he's a good boy. Yeah. And then there's that really weird scene where the shapeshifter changes into Homelander. Yes, that's right. Oh. Um, I, I'm... I mean, I hope the writers of this show go and get some therapy in between seasons. Or maybe this is their therapy. Maybe this is the result of those sessions. Yeah. You know, I think it's one of those things where it's like horror directors being really nice people. Yeah. Because they just get, like, they get all the horrible thoughts in their head just out there on the page. And it just, like, it purges you of all the badness. Yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, it's definitely felt like, and I don't know if it was especially more so or if it's just like me kind of misremembering season one a bit. But season two definitely felt like it was more of sort of an ensemble show. Yeah. Yeah, there was less focus on specific um, key relationships. And I think a lot more people got a lot more exposure. There was a lot more of Queen Maeve, for example, who was very much a support character in the first series. I guess it, I guess in some ways, A-Train's story had kind of been told. There's a little bit of him trying to get a bit of redemption uh, with the date. Um, yeah, the, it, it's a bit more evenly spread. We get to see a bit more um, interaction between the seven and each other, and, and also some of the people outside of the seven, but that are intrinsically linked to them. Some of the some of the management team in the wider Vought Industries family, because in season one, it seems that Vought Industries is just about the seven, and is just a marketing machine for the seven, whereas we learn in season two that it's just basically Stark Industries. Yeah, exactly. They are. They've got their fingers in lots of pies. Yeah. Also, they're run by Giancarlo Esposito, who's just he's in everything now. <laughs> That's his got visage. Actually, there's a lot of there's a lot of refugees from the the, the sci-fi series Timeless at various stages. Senator Newman was in it as well. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I guess just in general, that's always been a, a big thing with like sci-fi and I guess just generally geeky kind of shows is yeah. you do end up with a, a fairly fixed pool of, of certain actors. I, I, I like think... they are they are this generation's Nathan Fillion, basically. <laughs> but Nathan Fillion is this generation's Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion oh. is the Nathan Fillion for the ages. Yeah, but Nathan, Nathan, he achieved his final form. He got his own detective series. That's it. That's that's always the end. Oh, yeah, he's got like that. Is it like called The Rookie or something? Yeah. He's doing well. Good, good on you, Nathan Fillion. You deserve to do well. I'm glad. <laughs> anyway, speaking of guys who are really good, Anthony Starr's bloody incredible, isn't he? Uh, considering that this was a role that he... he seem to want to not take apparently apparently he had to be cajoled into taking the uh, the part on interesting so is that a lot of like just uh, I don't want to do superhero stuff or is it just uh, oh no this character's absolutely horrible I don't want to play I, that I, I, th- I think it was more to do with the fact that it wasn't a it wasn't the dissing of the superhero genre. It was that Homelander is not a man. No, no, he is not. Do you want to play a hero? That ain't no hero. <laughs> right, I, I guess it makes sense because I think that's part of like what makes Homelander so great is you get like those scenes where he's like public facing and he's very much just like the bright, cheerful Superman-esque figure. Yeah. And then... I think I think it's in season one, that bit where like he's being filmed, and then the camera shuts off and immediately his face just like drops into menacing scowl. Yeah. But yeah, he's he he does uh, Homelander a lot of justice. Yes, he's very. I mean, he's pretty much the definition of love to hate, isn't he? Yeah. And the thing is. What they've, what they've done quite beautifully, and, and the two of them play off against each other quite they've managed to do exactly the same thing with Carl Urban, who, in traditional terms, would be your protagonist. Because he's against the bad guys. But actually, he's not a nice guy either. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a thing as well. It's again harking back to it. They've carried it over from the series, from the, uh, the comic, but done it a lot better is that question of, well, is Butcher maybe, like, just as bad as the people he's against? Yeah. And, so, and I mean, he's, he's certainly happy to, to stuff a load of uh, explosive up a superhero's bum. Yeah. Well, why, you know, why not? I mean, I can think of several reasons why not. But <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, th- I think... I would find it difficult to trust if and I think I think it's fair to say that most of the boys do find it difficult to trust Billy Butcher, mainly because it's 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 almost impossible to determine where he's from from his accent. Yes, he does sound distinctly Australian in a despite his, kind of way. Yeah. And I think there is a hint in season two, isn't there, that he is Australian? Uh, well, because he... no, because I'm pretty sure he meets his relatives 
and they're also supposed to be from London, but just also have the same weird accent as he does. Especially because his dad's played by Ray Wise. Yeah. But I guess, I guess maybe they didn't want to get actual British actors because it then becomes no, even more apparent how much Carl Herman's accent is not, is not Cockney. It wasn't Ray Wise. Was it not? I was sure it was Ray Wise. It was John Noble from Fringe. It was John Noble. Oh my God, it was John Noble from Fringe. It was Walter. It was Walter Bishop. It, it's very difficult to get Walter Bishop and the devil confused. I beg to differ because I just did. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've even seen like anything recently with Ray Wise in it. It would... I think, Explain I think, how I got him confused. Yeah, I think, I think the last time I saw Ray Wise in anything, it was that um, I can't remember. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was Reaper. Was it yeah, Reaper? I think it was called Reaper. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the one where he was the devil. I think. I like the fact that there's someone spoof comic book show who's played by an actress called Barbara Gordon. Wow, that is layers upon I mean, layers. That is meta, isn't it? So it's, who's Barbara Gordon? Uh, Butcher's aunt. Ah, oh, right. Barbara okay, Gordon no, you probably Judy you probably could not cast her as a as a live action oracle then. No, <laughs> definitely not Batgirl. <laughs> Unless you're doing, uh, I don't know, Bat Batgirl in Batman of the Future. Actually, that would work. <laughs> yeah, because in that, she was Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. See, I know we've got the boys to talk about, but now, now I really want a Batman of the Future movie. <laughs> featuring, also, actor, featuring exclusively actors who are named after, yeah. after, Bat, after Bat family alter egos. It's got to be doable. Starring Bruce Wayne as Batman. Oh no, if it was Batman of the Future, it'd be Terry... Yeah, Terry McGuinness. Oh, there's got to be an actor called Terry McGuinness. Yeah, sure. That's, that's a very actory name, isn't it? Isn't it? Starring Terry McGuinness as Batman. Also, once again, I will always point out, why did they name it Batman of the Future for the UK? Oh, was it not called that in, in the US? No, no, in, in the US it had the far better name of Batman Beyond. Well, maybe they just thought that the British would need uh, an answer to that question, you know. So, Batman Beyond. Beyond where, dear chap? It means nothing. Batman Beyond means nothing. Beyond where? I know, but now I feel like I can't make fun of my American friends for having the, the phrase sidewalk for pavement. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's where you walk uh, also pants is a more logical derivation of pantaloons than trousers is yeah faucet however where does that come from instead of tap Should I think that one must just be someone looking at American English and saying you know what no this is too logical now. We need to respect <laughs> our roots and have at least one word that makes absolute no goddamn sense where it's come from. So, anyway, back to the boys, I guess. Yeah. 
much unlike this episode of the podcast, what I really appreciate about The Boys Season 2 is that, as I've mentioned all the like multiple different plot threads earlier, I think it does tie everything together at the end really nicely. It does, yeah. And I think if I've got one one gripe about Season 1, it's that there, there was a couple of episodes where it felt like they didn't have enough to fill it and they padded it a little bit. Whereas with season two, there was none of that because they didn't have time. Yeah, exactly. Like, pretty much every single season of that show is some kind of like plot important detail. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Maybe not the bit where Mother's Milk is almost strangled to death by a character named Love Sausage. No. Although, you know, the spin-off the, the spin-off cartoon for that character in Denmark is doing really well on children's TV. Oh, that's right. About <laughs> <laughs> the character and his his magical I mean I can't think of a better euphemism than love sausage. That is the best one. That's a real TV show. It is for children. Um but yeah, it's but what I liked about that that scene is it addressed a, a thing that that kind of crosses the mind of anybody who sort of exposes themselves to the world of superhero comics for any length of time. At some point you can you start thinking, regardless of how it comes around, whether it's exposure to cosmic rays, radiation, genetic manipulation, or whatever causes the superpower um isn't it always convenient that they get really useful power yeah yes yeah, so I, I do like the idea of having those superheroes where it's like yes i got superhero powers they just suck though yeah <laughs> it's like I, I know it's something that the um there's a comic series called the legion of superheroes used to do where you'd have a lot of side characters and there was even like a group called the legion of substitute heroes where they were all <laughs> Yes, we also got powers, but not the good one. Like, there's a character called Stone Boy who can turn his skin to solid stone. He also can't move, though, because he's just a big rock. <laughs> so only any use as a defensive manoeuvre. And, of course, the, the man, the myth, the legend, that is Arm Fall Off Boy. I mean, that makes punching a ranged weapon. That's, that's quite useful. Unless no, 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 no! He can't fire his arm; he can just remove it. Oh! So I... he can pull his arm off and use it as That's a club, cool. which, which is like having the strength of punching, but now <laughs> with an increased you... swing because you've got the length of two arms. Yes, but you also now have one arm less. And your other arm is busy carrying the first arm. That's true. But this, but this is, it is, it is the thing, isn't it? That most superpowers don't have drawbacks in, in using the power of themselves. They may be, I mean, I know there's been uh, elements of the Flash where his uh, carb intake has to increase tenfold to, to maintain his metabolism and stuff, but... That's not really a weakness, is it? Having to eat. 
No, if, if anything, that's, that's the even... The Flash's real superpower is guilt-free binging. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to... As a kid, that was, like, the biggest thing that appealed to <laughs> Just He could eat so many burgers. <laughs> I mean, running around the world, yeah, that, that's probably cool and all. But imagine being able to eat just a whole plate of burgers. <laughs> anyway, shall we now rank season two? Yes. And I, I think uh, for several of as we've gone through, uh, just above season one. Yep, that was exactly where I was thinking. <laughs> so, The Boys Season 1, um, I oh. hope you enjoyed your brief reign as I knew number 5, you are now I knew number 6. So, um, And uh, your big brother's taken over as the new number 5. With apologies to any of our listeners who look forward to that section of the podcast where we wrangle for minutes over where we should place a particular... Uh, we should mention, of course, that... Um, as soon as COVID allows, season three will be going into production. And there are two plans could see the light of day. The other one, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, I don't know. One's like the G-Men, isn't it? Where it's like yeah. their X-Men knockoff. Yes. Um, described, I don't know. described as an R-rated series that explores the lives of hormonal competitive suits as they put their physical, sexual and moral boundaries to the test. Which, okay, I mean, I wouldn't give it the benefit of the doubt because, as we say, the boys is so good. Yeah, and you know, throughout the boys, particularly in the second season episode, Butcher Big, there's, there's some mentions of a pornographic superhero. Oh, yes, that's the other spin-off, isn't it? Yeah, that's been produced in full. And... They've expressed an interest in releasing them as a web series on a website called Soup Porn to a website of the same name registered to Sony Pictures. Well, there you go. So potentially, so potentially the man, the man with the stretchy love sausage, could be in two spin-offs at the same time. Oh. Well, well, certainly that is the thing that they can make and people will probably watch. I, uh, yeah, I, I think I think if you're going for a cult audience, you can't get cultier than that. Yes, it's... I mean, look, you've, you've got a niche you want to go after and you're going after it, so... Good for you, soup porn makers. <laughs> Also, soup porn sounds like a very different thing. <laughs> Paid for an audience specifically of Andy Warhol and no one else. <laughs> anyway, I think that's probably about it for us, isn't it? I think it is, yes. So, if you would like to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, you can also listen to our other podcast, the Comics Review Show 4 panel, over on the Geek Show Podcast Network. Uh, if you would like to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Also, if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice. 
or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mick. Because why have average when you can have extraordinary? So long and thanks for listening.